Hello! <laughs> what a wonderful presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you tonight about God's heart for the lost and, and the part we have to play. Yes, yes, the part we have to play in that. But before I want to start talking about God's heart for the lost, I would like to pray for a couple of people. So, Joelle, I'd love to pray for you. Can I pray for you? All righty. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you, mighty God, for Joelle. Lord God, Father, I thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for her life, oh God. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that just as she's tall in the natural, Lord God, there's a call on her life to stand up and to rise up and to stand head and shoulders, Lord God, in the spirit realm above all else. Father, I thank you that you've called her as one that would be an overcomer. Father, I thank you that you've called her as one that would know what it is to crush the enemy under her feet, oh God. Father, I thank you for an increase in wisdom, an increase in favor, an outpouring of your spirit upon her life. Lord God, I thank you that she will know what it is to stand in the river of the living God. I thank you that she will know what it is to allow that river to flow out from her. Lord God, that you will do in her abundantly and exceedingly more than she would ever ask or imagine. So mighty God, right now, I release the more over her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for the more. Thank you for the more. Rebecca Kinge, can I pray for you? Rebecca! I've got a word for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You, Jesus. Father, I thank you for Rebecca. Lord God, I thank you that you've called her, that you've shaped her and you've formed her in your image, Lord God. Father, I thank you for the destiny, Lord God, that she has in you. I thank you, Father, that you know the plans and the purposes that you have for her. Father, plans to prosper her and not to harm her. Father, plans to give her a hope and a future. So, Lord God, tonight I release fresh hope over her life. Father, that, Lord God, she would begin to have a revelation of the plans and the purposes that you have for her. Lord God, that she would begin to know, Lord God, in a fresh way. Lord, that she's loved in heaven by a mighty God and a loving Father. Father, I thank you that you watch over her, Lord God. Father, I thank you that you accept her just as she is. Lord God, but you don't want her to stay the same. Lord God, I release favor and revelation on her life tonight. Lord God, I thank you that your word for her is that when she walks through the waters, you will be there. When she walks through the fire, you will be there. And mighty God, she will not in no way be harmed because of the love of the living God. I thank you, Father. I thank you for what you're doing in her. And I thank you for what you're yet to do. Father, I release your love. I release it over her life. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All righty, all righty. Okay. So, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says that the Lord is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come into his kingdom. That's his heart for the lost. He's not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come into his kingdom. You know, we hear again in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And he didn't send his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to condemn the world, 
but to save the world from condemnation. And we hear again in John chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus said, I came to give them everlasting life. So can you see God's heart? It's not as well, people. It's not as well, church, that anyone should perish. Now, he's done the ultimate thing. He sent his son, didn't he, to die on the cross for each one of us. But now we have a part to play. We've got a, we've got a job to do. You know that word, um, you know that word perish, where it says, Jesus said, I gave them eternal life that none should perish. You know that word perish, it means to put out of the way entirely to be given over to, to eternal misery in hell. So we need to have that on our, life, on our hearts, that it's not God's will that anyone would be put out of the way entirely, that it's not God's will that anyone would be destined to an eternity in hell. You know, we've been saved. We've been saved. We know Jesus Christ. If we died tonight, we'd walk straight into his arms. We've got all that we need. When he died on the cross, you know, he exchanged our life for his. He's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You heard Pastor Mike say that in heaven there is no lack. We, need to, we don't need to experience lack, church. But now we need to bring the reality of the kingdom of heaven out to the lost, out to a broken and dying world. So I want to ask you tonight, you know, how are we going to do that? Well, I've got some answers for you in a minute. Our part is to present Jesus Christ to the world. That is our part. You know, God is so mighty and awesome that he could just turn up. But he's chosen to use his church, his bride. And each one of us has a call that we can't say, oh, evangelizing isn't for me. I don't do that. That's not my gift. That is not the truth. Don't believe a lie. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your call is to bring him to a lost and dying world. That's for everyone. Now, some of us, we're more gifted in doing it than others, but that means we just need to learn how to reach out. And I'll talk to you a little bit about that. Firstly, I want you just to keep this in mind. I looked up the meaning of eternity. This is what it means. Continuing future without end. Never to cease so we're, we're talking from an eternal perspective tonight. You know, if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will go into a continuing future without end, never to cease, with a loving God in heaven, with Jesus Christ our Savior. Our friends and our family, our workmates, our colleagues, those ones out there that are lost, if they die without knowing him, they, they have the same their, their destiny, well, eternity means the same thing for them. It means a continuing future without end, never to cease. A continuing future without end, away from the presence of the living God. Away from any feeling of love, never to cease. They'll never again know the love of God. They'll never again know any goodness. They'll never again know any kindness. That's the destiny for every single person who dies without knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I want you to keep that in mind tonight, a continuing future without end. We need to learn to get an eternal perspective about things. Don't you agree? 
We need to begin to desire that we would be the answer to a lost and broken world. Alrighty? So I just want to tell you, you know, the devil's most clever trick is to make us believe that he doesn't exist. The devil's most clever trick is to make us, to make the world believe that there is no consequences for sin, that there is no consequences for living an independent life without him. And I want to tell you, when I first got saved, I was just a very, very new Christian. And um, I was still half a foot or a whole foot in the world. You know, I was coming out of lots of stuff, and I was still living with Richard at the time, and I was trying to come to grips with this life of mine and this new life that I knew Jesus Christ had for me. And, um, and I was standing in the church office one day, and I was talking to my friend, and I said to her, I was very flippant, and I said to her, oh, well, it doesn't matter. If I end up going to hell, it'll be a party down there anyway. There'll be a lot of people to party with in hell. And as I said that, the pastor walked in the door and he overheard my whole conversation and he looked at me with a lot of love and a lot of grace, but he pointed at me and he said, Amanda, the Bible says that the souls of hell are as far apart as the stars of heaven. And I tell you what, it was a word in season for me. It woke me up. I suddenly, it just hit me, I suddenly got this revelation that actually hell is not going to be a party. You know, I didn't think about the torment and all that kind of stuff that the Bible talks about. I, I thought about the loneliness. I thought about the fact that eternally, forever, I would be alone in darkness and blackness. And that inspired me to want to live wholeheartedly for him and inspired, inspired me to want to see the lost saved. So at that point, my life began to turn around. Now, I guess the key here is that I received the word in season. I could have gone, oh, yeah, that's just the pastor, and moved on. But I allowed that word, I believe, breathed by God at that moment, that divine moment, I allowed it to come in and impact my heart. So what about you? What about you tonight? And what about you in your lives? You know, do you listen to the word in season and do you do something with it? So I want to talk to you a little bit. Let's have a look at Ruth chapter 1. I'm going to read out of this. Ruth is just after Judges. Now, Ruth was a young Moabite girl, woman. And the Moabites, you know, they worshipped other gods. They were into child sacrifice and all kinds of stuff like that. And she'd, marry, she'd married one of Naomi's sons. And, of course, both of Naomi's sons had died. And Naomi wasn't, was going to head back to her, to her land and leave. She wanted to leave the, the, the daughters-in-law behind to go back to their own families and stuff like that. And this is what, this is what Ruth says in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. Just got to find it. Um, and, and Naomi said, uh, she said, See, your sister-in-law's gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God shall be my God. And that's what I love. 
And this is what I want to ask. This is what I've been asking myself. Um, And this is what I want you really to consider tonight in the light of eternity. What would it take? What would it take for you as for us as individuals? For the lost and the broken people that we know, we've all got them, whether they're acquaintances, family, friends, whatever. We all know unsaved people. What would it take? How would our lives have to change that they would say to us, your God will be my God? And that's what I want to ask you tonight. Has that ever happened to you? Has anyone ever said to you, I want the God that you serve? I see goodness and mercy. I see kindness and compassion. I see a miracle working God in the God that you serve. I want to ask you that. You know, and the thing is this, that our lives, they say something. Our lives interpret something, don't they? You know, we, make, we see someone and we make up our mind about what they believe based on, what, based on their actions. I want to tell you a story about shoes. I won a pair of shoes not so long ago. I entered a competition, just had to send my na- name off, uh, email my name off, and I won. I got this email back saying that I'd won a pair of shoes. I won a, was one of 10 people that had won a pair of shoes. And the email said that you'll hear from us in a few days' time. Well, that was six weeks ago, all righty. And so I waited, and so then I thought I'd just give them a little hint. So I replied to the email, and I said, thanks, I'm looking forward to getting the shoes. No reply. Now, I'm, I've got to say, these shoes are amazing. They're a really good brand. They're a European brand. And I really wanted them. So I was felt very blessed when I first got the email to say that I'd won them. So anyway, so I never heard and I never heard. And then I decided I'd ring the guy. And I rang him and got no answer on his cell phone, got no answer on his home phone. And um, so I began to think, well, this isn't very good. And um, finally I got a hold of him and he said, oh, yes, I emailed you, but you never, you know, and, and what size is it? And they're coming in the mail 10 days later and I still haven't got them. And I found myself thinking a couple of days ago, that company is slack, those shoes are bad, etc., etc. I made, I interpreted or I made a judgment about the company and the shoes, a well-known brand I'll have you know, based on... Um, based on my interactions with this one man. So I interpreted something based on what I saw with this man's actions to me. Do Do you understand where I'm going? So the same as us, we go out there into the world and quite likely we tell somebody or other that we're a Christian. So what does our lives say? You know, because we represent a loving, compassionate kind, miracle-working God who has the solution for us, who holds eternity in his hands. We represent a God who loves us, who sent his only son for us. We represent a God who wants us to bring the solution of him to the world. So when the lost interact with us, do they see that? Do they see a loving and kind, compassionate God? Or do they hear us say that we're a Christian, and yet what they see, what their reality of us is, could be gossip, could be just general meanness, could be 
Fear around our lives could be anxiety and depression, could be a whole lot of drinking and sleeping around, could be bullying, could be compromise. That's really not appealing. You know, I've been in situations where, um, where Christians were drinking and drinking a lot and began to share the gospel with the lost. And then before you know it, um, the gospel talk went out the window and the bad language and the dirty jokes came in. I've never seen anyone saved when all we do is compromise. Never. It just, what does that represent? What does it represent? So this is my question for you tonight. What does your life have to look like in order for you to represent the holy and kind and loving God that we know, that someone showed to each one of us? Isn't that the truth? Someone showed us the kindness of the living God. Someone showed us the miracle-working power, the forgiveness of the living God. Now it's our job to take it out there into the world. So we all come to a decision or a conclusion about Jesus Christ based on what we see, the way we see others act. People just do that. They're not so much interested in what we say as they're interested in what we do. People observe us. The lost observe us. They observe how we are with our friends. They observe how we are as husbands and wives. They observe how, how, how teenagers interact with their parents. They observe how parents interact with their teenagers, and on it goes. We're constantly being watched. I know this because I have people come and say the most random things to me. So I know I've been watched. <laughs> Somebody's watching you. Yeah, we're all watching. We're all watching. All righty. Okay. So I want to give you a few keys of what you can do. And all I can share with you is actually what I've done. That's all. That's all that I know that works. And so firstly, it was to build a prayer life. From the moment that that pastor spoke to me and I got convicted, convicted really and truly, I got a revelation of what hell was like, I began to build a prayer life. And it just started with a few minutes a day, a few minutes of praying, a few minutes of reading the Word. That was about 25, 30 years ago. And on it's gone. I began to, I know this, I cannot survive without, without relationship with Jesus Christ. I know this. I, my personality goes downhill very quickly without him. Richard would tell you that. Sometimes he says to me, you need to go and pray. So <laughs> I just need to get my, I know this. I love the Word of God, and I've made it a habit. And that's all you need to do, just make a choice. You see, you make a choice, and you say, I'm going to do this, and it's as simple as that, you do it. You start reading the Word, and you start meditating, finding some scriptures that you like, and you get them into your heart, and you just let them go over and over in your mind. And you know, before you know it, You've got something to pray out. You know, I used to hate praying. I used to be so scared. I really did. In the first cell group that I was in, I just, I was scared of praying. And, um, you know, there was all these really mature Christians. And, but I determined in my heart every time, at the end of every home group that I went to, at the end of the night, they would always pray for someone. And I just decided that I was going to pray. 
my heart would thump and my hands would go clammy and I'd feel really stupid, but I just made myself do it. And, and I've got better and I've got more confident and I'm glad that I made the choice simply to make myself do it. So I developed a love for the Word, and I developed a love for just spending time in prayer, relationship with God. Prayer is talking to God, so I developed that. And then there's the whole thing of repentance. You know, we've heard Pastor Mike talk a lot, whoops, on the cross. <laughs> we've heard Pastor Mike talk a lot on the cross and on the blood. And do you know what? I don't think that we have enough of the revelation of the power of the blood that covers our sin, that gives us freedom from sin, transgression, and iniquity. There is nothing like the blood, nothing. You know, there's that song, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We need a revelation of the cross. You know, I use my imagination and I see myself coming before the cross and I see, I see him nailed there. And I, like you saw that this morning, that's a really good picture. If you were here this morning, that Pastor Mike put up at the end, you know, take that home. Imagine him hanging there like that, battered and bruised externally and internally for your iniquity and your transgressions and see yourself kneeling before the cross, owning your sin. I've been in compromise. Lord, that is sin. It deserves judgment. It deserves a penalty because it's a crime against you. But Lord Jesus, you took my sin. You've paid the price for the crime. And I am free. I love that song. I am free. I'm free. I'm free. We are free because of the blood. We are free because of the blood. You need to get this in you. You are free because of the blood. There is nothing that the enemy can throw at you if you have a revelation that you are free, that we are overcomers because of the work of the cross, because of his blood that was shed for us. We've got to develop. We've got to get in our hearts, you know, thankfulness for this. Thank you, Chelsea. Yes. Yay. You know, his life lived for us. His life poured out for us. We've got to be grateful for that. Develop it in your lives. So there'll be an opportunity very shortly for you to come to the front and have ministry or kneel before, put your life right with him. Anyway, the next thing, the next thing is that what I've done is I've always positioned myself with someone, beneath someone that can speak into my life that can show me the ways of God, that can give me direction. So I've always looked around right from the very early days of my Christian walk. There's always been someone, not a friend, someone that I, someone more than a friend, someone that I love and honor and respect that will have the courage to tell me when it's not going right, when I'm not doing something right, when I'm out of line. Friends don't always tell you that. So, 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 2. I can't pronounce this guy's name. Jehoash. He was seven years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Israel for 40 years. Imagine, imagine, seven years old, older than Georgia, and younger than Georgia, younger than Georgia. He began to reign a nation. And he reigned for 40 years. In verse 2, this is what it says. And Jehoash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all his days, because Jehoiada the priest instructed him. 
He knew what to do because he positioned himself beneath someone that would show him the ways of the Lord. So I want to ask you tonight, have you made yourself accountable to someone? Who is speaking into your lives? Young people, who's speaking into your lives besides your friends? Have you positioned yourself with your youth leaders, with someone more mature that can show you the ways of the Lord, that there would be favor upon your lives? Us older ones, is there any lone rangers out there? God's not into that. Who have you positioned yourself to or with? Who have you allowed to speak into your life? Are you courageous enough to ask someone to speak that you know will love you, but won't always just give you the good stuff? They'll help you to shape up. Yeah, yeah. That's the way we grow. I don't want somebody to stroke my ego. That is not going to do me any good in this life. And (laughs) thank you. Pastor Mike says he won't stroke my ego. That's good. I don't want that. I'm not going to grow that way. I want to grow in the ways of the Lord. I want to get to the end of my days and know that my life has been poured out serving Him. And the only way I know that can happen is to build my prayer life, is to build my relationship with the Lord and my, my love of the Word, to keep coming to Him in repentance, owning it when I muck up, to position myself with someone that will speak in. Thank you for those people. You know who you are that have done that. And, uh, and then it's about just saying, you know, in Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I beseech you, I plead with you, present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. You know, Ian Johnson said a couple of weeks ago, if you're breathing, God can use you. Are we all breathing? Yes, we are. Can God use you therefore? Yes, he can. Young people, you're alive, you're breathing. God can use you. Do you know what? Um, when Charlotte was about, Charlotte's my daughter, um, when Charlotte was about, I wish Ray Griffin was here, I think she was only about five or six, she may not have been that old, her and a little friend, they came up and they gave a word of encouragement to, hu- uh, to Ray's husband, Rupert, at five or six years of age, he's never forgotten it. If you ask her about it, she'll tell you. He's ne- ask uh, Ray Griffin. They, he's never forgotten it. It touched him. It was just one Sunday in church. And they came up. They, they must have been five or six or seven because they'd written him a little note. And they handed it to him. It touched his life from a five or six or seven-year-old. She prayed over, she prayed over me one time, just asked her to pray, prayed for me. And she was only little. And she started praying about the sword of the Spirit. And she was up and down. She was like this. I can't quite remember. But I know she was praying about the sword of the Spirit and how God would use me. And she was like this. And look, she was five or six. We don't need to, to wait. Young people, don't wait until you reach some kind of, I don't know, mysterious age where suddenly you think you can hear from God. You can hear from God right now. And... Older ones, you know, I know somebody 
whose life, whose marriage, not in this church, has been a wreck for probably nearly all their married life, which is 20 years. Now, there is beginning to be changes in their marriage. Guess who is coming around them and mentoring them? Two older couples. One couple is 85 years old. The other is 80. I have never seen such change in this couple's life, in their marriage, since these two older couples in their 80s have got around them to mentor them, have committed to pray, meet with them weekly, give them resources, pray for their children. We have no excuse. From the littlest to the very oldest, all I can say to you is what I've done. God, I don't feel like I've got much. You know, because sometimes you just don't feel like you've got much. But Lord, I choose to present myself to you tonight as a living sacrifice. Lord, I'm breathing. You can use me. Lord, lead me on the path that you have set before my space. God, give me courage and boldness that you would use me mightily. Father, enlarge the place of my tent and let my tent pegs be stretched out to the left or the right. Father, Father, enlarge my coastlands. Increase my areas of authority and responsibility and, and influence in this region and beyond. That is how I pray. God, I thank you for the opportunities that you give me to do things I've not done before. And now I find myself standing here preaching, never in my wildest dreams did I think that would happen. So I want to leave you with a story, another story. Thinking back to Ruth, who said to her mother-in-law, your God will be my God. When the first Christian I ever met was my sister-in-law. Her name is Mandy. And we went, I was living with Richard, I wasn't saved, we went to visit there. And uh, I could not take my eyes off her. I watched her with her family. I watched her with her husband and her children as she went about, at that stage she had three children. She was getting a meal and I can remember where I was sitting, and I sat there, and I watched. I watched her, and I couldn't believe. I, I, I'm not exaggerating. I had never seen anything like it. The kindness, the attention to her family, the just the way she embraced them and loved them, the way she was compassionate and patient with them, and, and then with us. Never a word of judgment. Always kindness. Always if we turn up at mealtime, food for us. Always a smile, always a laugh. And I watched her. And looking back, I know that as I watched her, I decided that her God would be my God. And then it wasn't long, late, long uh, far after, and my sister got saved, and then I got saved. And um, the first time I, I went to church, you know, this is a miracle-working power of God. No, I'd been a few times, and I'd, I was with Mandy at this time. We were at church, you know, and they were praying, and they were worshiping. And do you know what? I could not lift my hands. It was like there was a weight on them. 
And I cried and I cried and I couldn't worship. I couldn't lift my hands because I'd come out of a real religious background. Anyway, so I talked with Mandy. I said, oh, I can't lift my hands and I want to worship. The first ministry I'd ever had was in her church. She trotted me up the front. Pastor prayed for me, broke a religious spirit, and away we went. And I mean to say, look at me now. You know what I mean. So, but look, I've got to give God all the glory, you know. I was so bound up. But this woman, this woman, I decided that her God would be my God. And on her life, I saw kindness. I saw compassion. I saw patience. I saw loving kindness. And I want, I want the lost that I know to see that in my life. You know, um, last spring, last spring I went and I bought a baronia. And if you know what a baronia is, you know that the fragrance is amazing, just beautiful. Now I went to the garden centre, I bought a baronia and took it home in the car. And um, two or three days later, I got in the car. The the baronia was out by then. I got in the car and the fragrance of that bush, the beautiful fragrance of that bush was still in the car. And I thought, Lord, that's what I want to be like. You know, I want the fragrance of you to be left with people after I've been with them. Now, I am the first to admit I've got a long way to go, but I am on the path and I will get there. Every day I ask God that he would give me his love and his compassion for people that would flow out of my life, the miracle-working power, that I would be someone that has the answers, that I would pray the, the answers and not the problems, that I would bring the solution of the kingdom of heaven to the lost and the dying, who otherwise will go into eternity, a future without end, never to cease, without the love of the living God. So if I could have the musos up, please, tonight. Firstly, I just want to ask you tonight, is there anyone here that doesn't know this Jesus that I've been talking about? This Jesus that wants to be your friend and your saviour? Is there anyone here? You know, God, the word says that, again, the word says, That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would have everlasting life. Each one of you here tonight, with every eye closed and every head bowed, church, each one of you here tonight, is he your Lord? Is he your saviour? Do you know him as your friend? Do you know him as your saviour? If you were to walk out of here tonight and something happened, where would you go? Would you go to heaven and an eternity, never to cease with him? Or would you enter an eternity, never to cease without him? If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior tonight, if you don't know him as your friend, if you don't know him who, has, who you can have an alive relationship, a real relationship with. I'd just like you to give me a wave. Is there anyone tonight?
Maybe if you, oh, well, I was just going to say, maybe if you brought a friend, you can ask them, but I think we know that nobody brought friends tonight. Turn to the person beside you and say, do you know Jesus Christ? Is he your saviour? Is he your friend? Bring them up. They want to come up. And I'd love to pray with you. Now, secondly, I want to ask you this. Just with every eye closed for a minute. You know, in Isaiah, God says, Who will go for me? And whom shall we send? I want to ask you tonight, are you courageous and bold to go and reach the lost? Whatever that is for you. Some of us are called to other nations. Some of us are called to our family and our friends and our neighbours. Now, I just want you just for a moment, young ones, just listen. Just listen. Just want you to cast your mind back over the week even, just this last week. Did you bring Jesus Christ to the lost with your actions? What does your actions say? What does the lost see on your life? Do they see kindness and compassion? Do they see a life set apart to serve him? Do they see a passion for the living God? Do they see miracle working power? Do they see that you have the answers, church? What does the lost see? Encourage you tonight, search your heart. What does the lost see? In your classrooms, young ones, you can make a difference. Are you respectful to your teachers? But more than that, I know this. I know some of you have got people in your class that are bullied, that are contemplating suicide, that are heartbroken, that are just a bit geeky, that most people ignore. Go, Wes. Um, I want to ask you, what do you do? Do you join the crowd to pick on them? Do you join the crowd to ignore, ignore them or shun them? Or does your heart reach out to them? You know, sometimes it's not a word that we need to say. It's a smile or a kind gesture. Have we ministered kind gestures this week? I can tell you this. You would have heard this before. But when um, Rich's mum was killed, she was killed in a, in a sudden accident. And um, the day after she was killed, we were in a supermarket. And the girl was serving us. And she was just distracted talking to someone else as she was serving. And I was standing there looking at her with my heart breaking, saying, please, thinking in my heart. I was watching. She was only about 18. Just thinking, please look at me. Please look at me. I just wanted someone to acknowledge me that day. Sometimes that's all we need is someone to acknowledge us. So I just want to ask you today, if you need to put your life right with the Lord, if you know, if you know that you haven't ministered a loving, holy, miracle-working, kind and compassionate God, now's the time to come to the front. Now's the time to, to, to put it right as you stand in repentance. Now's the time to recommit and say, here I am, God. 
Use me. I'm breathing. So use me. That's all you need. So let's stand to our feet. And I want to encourage you to come. Don't let anything hold you back tonight. If you know that you've held back and allowing him to use you, if you know that you've held back because of what others might think or because of fear or because you've been so concerned with your own problems, if you know that you've held back, just come and put it right tonight and recommit your life afresh and just say, God, here I am. Use me. If you know that fear has held you bound, fear of man, if you know that that's held you bound and stopped you from reaching out to others, I'd like you to come tonight. Come and do business at the cross. Come. Come tonight. I know that there's more people here. I tell you what, if I wasn't, if I wasn't taking the altar call, I'd be on the altar call. I know that I've missed opportunities. I know that I've missed opportunities. I know that I've walked past people in need this week. And I've chosen to ignore their need. I know that I've done that. I know that fear has held me back at times from reaching out to pray for the lost. I know that my own concerns sometimes have swamped me. And it's just... It's clouded my vision. Come tonight. Say to him, here I am. Use me. Because I know his cry tonight is who can I send and who will go for me. And is your cry tonight, here I am, Lord, send me. Is that your cry tonight? Is that your cry tonight? Here I am, Lord, send me. Use me, oh God. I've got breath in me. Use me. Use me, God. Father, let that be your cry. Let that be your response. I tell you what, the times, the times that I've cried out to God, Father, I don't know what I can do, but use me. It's amazing. It's amazing what he's done the things that I would never dream or imagine. The things that I would never dream or imagine. He's got a plan and a purpose, a destiny for each one of you. And some of that is to reach the lost. Don't hold back tonight. Don't hold back. Don't miss your opportunity tonight. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to get some leaders to come and pray for you.
here tonight and have an area you'd like prayer do feel free to come and we'll just get someone to stand with you and pray with you believe God with you if you have an area of healing you need perhaps an area of breakthrough you want someone to stand with you please feel free to come up so if you have a need you like prayer tonight just feel free to come otherwise once you begin to think about who you're going to reach out to this week how you're going to befriend them what you're going to say what you're going to do Start to begin to think, God, give me someone this week who's in need that I can reach out and touch him with your love. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. Don't forget, big Christmas outreach coming up.